We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Um, just to kind of bring us, we, we had gone through chapter 3, and chapter 3 closed out in verse 34, which kind of leads in to where we are uh, today. John kind of does that throughout this book. He, he drops us off at a point and then picks that back up, and he moves through the, through the text. You'll notice in this one uh, another theme that was in chapter 2 of, of Antichrist in the world today. That's another theme he's going to pick back up in these verses. <clears throat> and here it's, it's the, the Holy Spirit is is kind of uh, one of the focal points of these verses. He, uh, had, he had concluded chapter 3 by saying, And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as He gave us commandment. And the one who keeps His commandment abides in Him, and He and Him, and we know this, uh, and we know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He gave us. And He's now going to... Uh, He's going to go into uh, the idea of testing of spirits here. Uh, he's, he's telling us we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, but there are other spirits around. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, the, that's the theme here. Jesus warned us uh, that there were going to be those who preached a false gospel. In Matthew 7.15, he said, Beware of, of, of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but uh, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And in, and in Matthew 24, 11, uh, he goes on to say, Many false prophets will arise and will deceive many. Uh, here, uh, he is telling his readers that the Holy Spirit indwells them in chapter 3, verse 24. But he's going to warn them that not all spirits come from God. We'll kind of deal with this this word spirit in just a little bit about how John is using it. Uh, He wants them to realize that there are basically two spiritual spheres in the world, at work in the world. One is demonic, and the other is the Holy Spirit. One is the dominion of Satan, uh, the other is the dominion of God. And and he wants he wants his he wants his readers to be sure to distinguish amongst them. And I don't think it is any short stretch that we hit this verse following what we went through three weeks ago with the whole influencers um, uh, thing, uh, because there was a group once again that needed to be confronted, and that's what John is saying here. Uh, that's what he's going to tell us here. He's going to. So I, I've kind of broken this text down in, into uh, three sections: why we test, uh, what we test, their profession, and where we test their doctrine. Uh, those are the uh, the three areas that uh, we want to look at as we go through this text this morning. So before we do, and before we get into the text. I hope that kind of brings us up to date anyway. Uh, um, before we get into the text this morning, uh, are there any prayer requests? No? You guys, everything's good. Cool. All right. Let's open in prayer. Father God, we, uh, we come before you this morning and we are, we are thankful. Uh, we are thankful people that, that we do have your indwelling Holy Spirit, who is our guide, who is our teacher, who is the one that illumines the Word of God to us, that helps us to understand and to comprehend, uh, uh, comprehend what you, you have for us. And then, then leads us in all truth. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we ask this morning, as we, as we look into this text this morning, we will be keenly aware of what we're hearing, of who we're following, of what we're listening to, and that we might glorify you in all of that. We may stay true to your word. We may follow your spirit as he guides us and leads us in all truth. Uh, Jesus declared to us that your word is truth. And Lord God, we just ask that, uh, that we would cling to the truth of Scripture, that our eyes would be open that we would rightly divide your word and that we would be drawn closer to our Lord Jesus in all of this and that we might give him the glory. And we thank you in his name. Amen. Okay, so first of all, he's going to tell us why we test. And he begins in, verse four, uh, in chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out 
into the world. And and you notice he ties here the word spirit with the false prophets. Uh, basically, the spirits behind them are demon spirits, but but the but the. Uh, but who we face are the human representatives bringing that teaching. That's that's the idea that's being expressed here. So he's saying, test. He's saying, beloved. First of all, the first thing he says, he's, he's addressing believers. This is the same, the same, uh, uh, the same connotation he gave in ch- in chapter three, verse twenty-one. He's going to use it again in verse seven. It's it's another one of of John's. Uh, terms of endearment for fellow believers most of the time he calls them little children here he is calling them he is calling he's calling them basically uh, not children but mature believers is what he's what he's his indication here is he's saying beloved and and that follows off of what what we just saw in chapter three incidentally he says he says uh, uh, he, he tells us that we are to to love one another and so he calls them beloved now, that's that's the idea here. There is to be that 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 um, willful love for one another. Uh, not not specifically, not that it's emotionless, but not derived from emotion, but derived from an act of the will. We choose to love one another because we are God's. That's 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 the idea here, and because He chose to love us. It's based on his love. So he calls him beloved, and he says, do not believe every spirit. Uh, This is an imperative, incidentally. It's a command. It's not uh, just a good idea or a good suggestion. He's saying, this is what you do, and and it's it's given with a negative. He says, not to believe. So the imperative command is, is to not believe, but literally, it is stop believing, because the structure in which it's which it's placed indicates an action an action that is taking place and it's to be stopped. In other words, don't be naive. Don't be gullible. Don't listen to everybody that comes down the block and says, "Hey, I've got a message from God." That's what the Gnostics were doing. We have higher knowledge, stronger knowledge. We know more than you. Sorry, you're not at our level. But we can we can give you information you don't have. That's nonsense. That's what they were doing. We have epigenosis was the word super knowledge. We're super saints and you're just average. That's that's the idea that was being expressed. And 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 here John is telling them stop listening to him. He tells us the same thing. I don't know whom, I have a pretty good idea that in this church we don't listen to a lot of heretics, but nevertheless, you know, turn on TBN. You can hear them all day long if you want to, you know. Go into a Christian bookstore. I remember this was several years ago when Berean was operating. I went in looking for a commentary. Wrong place to look for commentaries. But anyway, I needed one in a kind of in a hurry, and I didn't have time to wait for one to come in the mail. So I was looking for, for a commentary. So I went in there, and I looked, and it says, Top 10 bestsellers. So I looked at them. One was theological, written by somebody who was trustworthy. One was a devotional. The other eight were heretical self-help books. That's what they were. That's what they were. And this is Christian literature. You know, anybody get a book published, you pay enough money. You know, but anyway. Uh, But at any rate, uh, he's saying here, don't believe all those spirits. Don't listen to their teaching. Stop doing it is what he's really saying. Uh, that's what he's saying here. He says, don't believe everything you hear. Use a critical mind. Use your theological mind. Compare it to Scripture, as the Bereans did. Acts 17.11, Paul, after he left <clears throat> excuse, left uh, Thessalonica, he goes to Berea. And he says of the Bereans, he says this, now they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Paul says, they checked me. That's what he's saying here. He says, they went to the Old Testament scriptures to see if what I was telling them was true. If it, if it bore the truth of scripture. He, they compared them against scripture. They wanted to know, is this right? And that's what we're to do. Uh, we're to examine the scriptures. We're to we're to to compare what is being taught against what the scriptures have to say. 
And that's what that's what uh, that's what that's what John is calling them to here. In fact, John is saying, you know, do it with me too. That's what he's saying. Check it out. Make sure it's right. We're not to be we're not to be naive or gullible, remembering that unbelievers cannot evaluate the teachings. They they have no capacity to evaluate biblical teaching. And so you don't want to read their opinions on it. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14. Paul wrote, But the natural man does not accept the depths of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually examined. You know, they have no capacity. Uh, they can read the text. Uh, they, can, they can make comments on the text. But they will never know what it really means. They haven't the capacity. Uh, that's that's the point here. That's the point here. And and uh, <clears throat> Ephesians four eighteen tells us that unbelievers are darkened in their understanding. Their minds can't comprehend the truths of God. They have no capacity for it. That's 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 what he's saying here. So the reality is you have to you have to pay attention to what people are saying just because they they are the right reverend. So and so doesn't mean they're a believer. In fact, very often, if they've got all those titles in front of their name, they probably aren't. You know, just they just probably aren't. Paul, Paul is calling the Thessalonian. Uh, uh, Paul called the Thessalonian believers. Uh, he told them that they had to be a, alert to what they were being taught. First Thessalonians five twenty one through twenty two. But examine all things and hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every evil. Examine it. That's that's what he's telling us to do. Examine the teaching you're receiving. It should make sense. It needs to come from Scripture, and the and the Spirit of God needs to be the one behind it, teaching it. Uh, uh, John now says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Uh, and here again, the spirits is to be understood as the teaching and or the, along with the one who is proclaiming that teaching. Uh, that's, that's the way it's to be understood here. Uh, that's, that's the idea. It's the humans that may be delivering that teaching as well as the teaching in and of itself. And test is an imperative. It's a command. It's a word that comes from metallurgy. It's to assay it. To make sure it has any value, uh, to see that if it's pure, that's that's the idea here. This is the type of test it's 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 calling for. It's calling for a it's calling for a test to make sure this is authentic, uh, that it is real, that it's pure, uh, that it's not iron pyrite. It's actual gold. That's that's what it's that's what it's that's what it's calling us to. It's in the present tense, which means it's a continuous process. It means you don't just say, well, I tested this once and move on. It's you're always testing. You always have a critical mind. Uh, You always examine what is being taught. That includes me. You check me, too, because, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, but and he says, uh, uh, he says, uh, uh, oh, I forgot where I was now. Anyway, it, we're always to be testing. And he says to see whether it's from God. There was an interesting point. I was looking in MacArthur's commentary and I, and I kind of, I didn't really think it fit, but then I got to thinking about it. And I, I guess, I guess it does. He made the point. He, he, he said, this testing is not exorcism. That's what he was saying there. He says the point we're not to we're not to confront the demons behind the the teaching uh, is is not the idea. This is not an exorcism. This is a this is a testing of what is being taught. Uh, it's not uh, it's not as many today are uh, uh, they're going to battle with the old. I heard a guy on the radio one time say he was battling the old devil and he had him by the tail and he was beating him around. What utter nonsense. You know, that's not what we're called to do. Incidentally, you wouldn't get away with it. But at any rate, at any rate, that's not what we're called to do. It says that we're to assay the teaching. We're to measure it against Scripture. 
which is infallible truth. John 17, 17, as we already said, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, second uh, second uh, Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17, where it, where it tells us that the, the God-breathed word, that's what, that's what inspiration means, theonumatos. Literally, it means God breathed out. Uh, he, he, he breathed out the words of Scripture. That's, that's the idea uh, that we are to understand here. And he says, and then he gives us the reason for it. He says, here's the reason. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Incidentally, notice that he uses the word many. It's not two or three. There's a lot of them. There's a ton of false prophets in the world. They're all over the place. That's, that's what he's saying here. In Ezekiel chapter, it, it was true in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 13, uh, Yahweh is, is, uh, is uh, speaking against the false prophets uh, of, the, of, the, of the Jewish community before they were exiled into Babylon. And in verse 19, or excuse me, verse 9, he writes... So my hand will be against the prophets who see worthless visions and utter lying divinations. They will not be in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the registry of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord Yahweh. In other words, he says they will be exterminated is is really the idea here. They're, they're, They're going to be out of it altogether. Paul, uh, when he called the Ephesian elders together in Acts chapter 20, uh, he told them that the, the day would come when men would arise from within from within the assembly and he calls them in, in verse 29 savage wolves not, dis, not sparing the flock they will attempt to rip it apart. Jude 4 tells us that he tells us that these false prophets Creep in unaware. Uh, this is this is why it is so important uh, to be on guard always, because these people come in. They arise from within. Uh, they are savage wolves. They creep in unnoticed. Uh, Jude goes on to say they become a hidden reef in our love feast. In other words, uh, they infiltrate the communion of the church and they shipwreck it. Uh, that's what a reef does to a ship. It wrecks it. It sinks it. That's 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 the idea here. Uh, that's what he's that's what he's wanting them to understand. Why do we test? Because of false prophets. That's that's the, the note uh, that he wants here. And, and as I said, there are many. They're sent to oppose and deceive. Second Thessalonians two eighteen. Uh, Paul was hindered by Satan from getting to Thessalonica. In in Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul tells us that Satan is an angel of light. He 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 appears. He and his minions appear as angels of light in that sense. They, they seem to be right, but they're not. Satan not only track, attacks directly through persecution, but subtly, mixing error with truth. <clears throat> the idea here is that we would be careful with a discerning ear and eye as to what we hear and to what we what we read, uh, because Second Peter two one tells us that that they secretly introduce destructive heresies. This is why we have to test. This is what this is what John is calling us to: the necessity to test, the necessity to put to the assayer's test everything we're taught. That's that's the idea here. And then he goes on and he and he tells us he gives us. A couple of ideas, and, and John is always black and white. There's no gray areas with John. It's this or that. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't do all the possibilities. He just says it's this or it's that. And he goes on and he says he gives he gives us uh, he gives us a couple of tests in here. Some people see three. I put it down as two. But at any rate, uh, uh, he, he puts down he puts down uh, he puts down the first test. And the first test is Christological. Their profession. What do they profess about Jesus Christ? This is this is the idea here. What do they say about Jesus? What do they teach about Jesus? Verse 2. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Confesses in the present tense. It means to say the same thing. And it's a continual confession. This is your confession. It's not something you said one time. it It is part of you. It is what you believe. It's at the root of who you are. 
uh, you believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Now understand, this, this we're still, if you remember, uh, this is still the era of insipid Gnosticism. This is when it was being born. It will become a full-blown heresy in the next couple of centuries. But at this time, it's, it's starting to creep into the church. It's, it's Greek dualism, basically, uh, that basically saw spirit is good and flesh is bad. Therefore, they could never mix. And, they, and, and two to schools will develop within, well, they have modifications and different things, but two basic schools develop within Christianity. The one side says, says that Jesus, he was not really a man. He was a prolonged theopony. He was, he was kind of, a, kind of a, an illusion, a spook, if you will. But he wasn't really a man. That was one side of it. The other side of it was, there was this guy born to a natural son of Joseph and Mary, who was born and named naturally, and and named Jesus. And at his baptism, the spirit of Messiah, uh, the spirit of the Christ came upon him. And right before he died on the cross, it left. Uh, But he wasn't both the divine man. He wasn't the God-man. He was not. That's what that's what Gnosticism taught. Because they couldn't they could not comprehend they could not comprehend the idea that rotten flesh could take on divinity. That's that was their view. Uh, spirit couldn't commingle with with flesh. That was that was their view. So here John says, here's the test. Here's the test that says if someone is a is a Christian. What do they say about Jesus? What is their continual confession about Jesus? Do they say he has come in the flesh? That's the idea here. The truth that the Gnostics denied. And it's just black and white. This is a basic Christological doctrine that Jesus took on human flesh, Philippians chapter 2, and dwelt among us. And he was both fully God and fully man. Not 50-50, 100% both. That's, that's the idea here. Uh, do they c- declare the truth of who, John, who, who Jesus is? John wrote in the beginning of this, in the beginning of this book, in, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, he says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes and what we have beheld and touched with our hands concerning the word of life? And the life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And understand, what he is saying there, he wasn't wasn't a divine phantom. He was a real man, and and he was really God. We saw it, we heard it, we touched him, and we tell it to you. That's what he's saying. John, in, in, in his gospel, started right off the very beginning of his gospel with telling us that Jesus is divine. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being. Through Him and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life <clears throat> and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in, in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then in verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The God-man, Jesus, he came in the flesh. That's, that's, the, first, that's the first test that, that John puts out here. What do they... Yeah? Oh, question. How, how do you then, how do they justify or, or get around the fact from you know, the, the sacrifices... The, the lamb that had to be perfect, um, you know, and and you couldn't have a sacrifice that was not, you know, the blood of bulls and goats wouldn't do it. You had had to be a a, a man. Yeah. So well, there, there's be a, a sinful man. When the spirit <coughs> comes on him. He's still a sinful man. So how did they? 
Well, understand something here. You're, you're taking probably the Jewish view. We're talking about the Greek view at this point. And the Greeks didn't buy into any of that. They didn't buy into any of that. Uh, their philosophy was completely different. Uh, the Jews rejected him because he didn't bring the kingdom right now and overthrow the Romans. And, and that's what they wanted. The Greeks, on the other hand, and it's like when, when Paul was at Mars Hill, the minute he mentioned the resurrection, they stopped listening to him. Because they just could not comprehend flesh taking on divinity. Or divinity taking on flesh. Either direction you want to go in. So this, this has to do with a Greek philosophical view, is, is really what is going on here. More than understanding of the Jewish sacrifice system. Because that wasn't part of the Greek Greek world. I mean, they had sacrifices, but they were to all the pantheon of gods. So they they couldn't com- they couldn't comprehend this. This this is something that was beyond their comprehension, uh, and so they they uh, they they rejected it flat out. Just rejected it, and they came up. So they they came up with different stories. Is really what happened. Now understand something here. Just just. This may be a good point to bring this up. You understand, we got this today. It's all over the place today. This is no old heresy. This is a new heresy. Gnosticism is not is alive and well today all over the place. Uh, but, uh, for example, uh, uh, the Mormons, they don't believe Jesus came in the flesh. They, wanted, they want you to believe they're Christian, but, you know, Super Christians, incidentally, uh, but but that uh, Jesus Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Uh, um, uh, Christian Science, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Most, not all, but most Seventh Day Adventists do not believe in the original the original people who who started the Seventh Day Adventist movement. Don't believe Jesus came in the flesh. Unity Church doesn't believe Jesus came in the church, uh, the flesh. Of course, the Sun Yin Moon group, the Unification Church, they don't believe that. They believe Sun Yin Moon came to finish Jesus' work. You know, so we have this around all over the place today, uh, it, and it's it's taught all over the place today, and you'll run into it. You know, when the G, when when the Mormons. Uh, the, uh, the Jade, whoever they are, when they knock on your door, you know those guys. You know, one of them is a trainer, and the other one is a trainee. Uh, but anyway, when they come to the door, just ask them who Jesus is. He's not Michael the Archangel, but that's who they think he is, and they'll hedge around about that, you know. But that's a reality, you know. It's a different philosophical view here. J- John is dealing with with the Greek world. Uh, well, it's the Roman world, but it's the Greek mindset. The Romans just adapted it. But uh, that's that's really what's going on here. That's that's really that's really what's going on here. For the Jews, it was just he can't be the Messiah because he didn't do what we wanted him to do. So we rejected him. For the Greeks, it was he doesn't fit our philosophical viewpoint of Greek philosophy. Yeah. Where do you put in like the charismatic false teachers? Because they would agree that Jesus. Well, that that's going to be our next test. I so. Doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> well, Catholics for that matter too, you know, and and uh, and a whole bunch of liberal pro- uh, Protestantism. They they fall in this bunch. I mean, I grew up in the Methodist Church, you know, the United Methodist Church as a kid, and they had seminars and they voted out doctrines. Guess what? Some of them they voted out. Virgin birth, you know. I think that's something you get to vote on. <laughs> well, go. I, I agree. The scripture agrees. That's why we test. That's why we test. That's why we test. That's why we test. But understand, this is all over the place. This stuff is all over the place, and it's, and it's corrupting. That's the idea here. But the. Uh, but Jesus, the word Jesus, became flesh. And to deny this uh, causes some, some, some serious difficulties because understand something. If we read Scripture and you carefully go through Scripture, the center point of history is Jesus Christ. He is the center point of history. And history has no meaning without Him. There is no meaning without Him. Uh, uh, 
and and if if in fact Jesus did not come in the flesh, then God's promises are untrue, and God is a liar. That's 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 a part of this as well. And if we deny Christ, and it also uh, to deny Jesus came in the, the flesh is to deny that He is His kingship, which means once again uh, He will not sit on the throne of David. He will not reign as king. And his sacrifice was worthless. That's, that's the bottom line here. That's what, that's what these, denials, uh, 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 these denials amount to. God's plan was that Jesus came in the flesh to die as a substitute, a substitutionary death for the, plan, uh, for the sins of, of other men. The only way he could do that, uh, the only way he could redeem those who believed was to come in the flesh. First John 1 through 2, Galatians 4, uh, Galatians 4, uh, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time came, that was, uh, that's one of my favorite fla- f- phrases right there. I did a series one time and I called on the fullness of time. But anyway, in the fullness of time means precisely when God planned it. That's what it means. You know, powerful. But in the fullness, uh, sorry, I got off on that. But anyway, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons. And then it goes on to say, which is why we can cry, cry, Abba, Father, which basically means daddy, but that would be kind of sacrilegious. So we, we, we say, Abba, Father. But that's that's the idea here. That's the idea that he wants us to do. Uh, John fourteen one, uh, excuse me, fourteen sixteen. Jesus said, "I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." That couldn't have happened if he didn't come in the flesh. That's that's the bottom line here. Verse three. Verse three goes on to say, "And every spirit that did not confess that uh, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard, and is uh, uh, that is that is coming, but is now already in the world. And we we saw this back in in uh, chapter two, verses eighteen and twenty two. This basically the same wording, and and John is basically saying here." Uh, those who do not confess who Jesus really is, that he is God in flesh, uh, those who deny that are the very spirit of the Antichrist who is coming. And they are in the world today. They are already in the world today. <clears throat> uh, some other some consequences of denying of, of this denial that, that they make is that Jesus can't be an example uh, if not a man, because he didn't live under the same conditions as man. He could not show the way to live. He can't be a high priest who appears, uh, who opens the door to God, not, uh, uh, because he's not like the rest of us. He doesn't know uh, the idea of temptation he hasn't suffered from our infirmities, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. And also the high priest has to be a man. And then three, he cannot be savior because he's not able to identify with those he came to save, which is what the whole point of his baptism was in John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Uh, to deny the, uh, it, it denies the salvation of the godly uh, because uh, there would be no resurrection um, and they could not, therefore, be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He didn't arise, that's the point there. And there's no true union between God and man. The truth of the incarnation brought about our communion with God. Jesus is the one who made that way. He's the one, he's the one, his sacrifice opened that door that we might boldly come to the throne room of God. There is no longer there is no longer a curtain of separation that was taken away. That's 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 the point here. None of this would be true. Salvation, in other words, would not be true. That, that's the bottom line. There would be no salvation. In short, without the um, <clears throat> without the incarnation, we are in our sin. And this is the teaching of Antichrist. Second Peter two. 
chapter uh, chapter two, verse one. But false prophets also among the uh, the people, just as there will also be false prophets among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Galatians chapter one. Verses uh, 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should complain to you, uh, should proclaim, not complain, proclaim, <laughs> uh, proclaim to you a gospel contrary to the gospel we have proclaimed to you, let him be, uh, a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let him be accursed. As, as we have said before, and I, so I say again, if any man proclaims to you a gospel contrary to one received, let him be accursed. That's, that's the bottom line here. That's the bottom line here. Uh, John, John again states, Antichrist is coming, but the spirit of Antichrist has always been here. And it's here today. Th- that's the idea. And then verse 24, he, he then reassures them. He says, he says, oops, got to get in the right book. He says, you are from God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he than, uh, that is in you than he that is in the world. And, and here is this just powerful statement of assurance of who we are and, and, and our position in, in Christ because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. He, he, he here goes back to calling them little children, this, his common term of endearment. And basically he says... He says in the in the Greek construction here would make this say yes you are that that's the idea here it's emphatic you are um, yes you are absolutely you are the children of God Romans eight uh, uh, fourteen through seventeen Galatians uh, Galatians chapter four verse seven I, let's look at that one real quick. Therefore, no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, uh, um, then an heir through God. That's that's who we are. That's our position. That's where we are in Christ uh, today. You are. Yes, indeed, you are. It affirms our security. First uh, Peter one t- uh, uh, twenty three and twenty three uh, tells us that we are of incorruptible seed. We can't. It's incorruptible seed. It speaks of being eternal. That's the idea here. John ten twenty seven through thirty says says that you're held in the hand of Jesus Christ and your hand in the, and you're held in the hand of God. You know, when you take that verse, just that verse alone, that that verse is probably one of the primary verses that brought me to Christ. Uh, is realizing that and 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 getting my life where it needed to be was understanding that. God's hand is there. It doesn't go away. And you know, Satan can't break God's hold. If he could, he would have won back whenever when he wanted to sit on the assembly of the Most High. He can't do it. It can't be done. It can't be broken. That's what this, that's what this verse is telling us. Greater is he. Uh, and he says, you have overcome them. Them is, is equally the many false prophets. And, and the reason you have overcome them is because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, which he's already told you about in, in verse 34. Here again, he, he tells us, because the Spirit indwells you, the power of God can't be broken in you. Understand this. What he's saying here is the hand of God holds you, the hand of Jesus holds you, and the Spirit is inside you keeping you. That's 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 the security uh, that is being being brought here, and he's, and world here is is uh, <clears throat> is used in different ways in scripture, but here it means it means the 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 Satan controlled world system that is hostile to God. He's saying they can't get you, they can't they can't break you is the idea here. <sighs> Because believers have overcome by the Spirit of God who indwells them and leads them in truth. Uh, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is He who illumines us, who, who makes the Word of God real to us. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, we looked at some of this before. We'll look at the whole, the whole text here. Uh, chapter 2, verse, uh, verses 12 uh, through uh, 16. Now we will receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, 
so that we may know the depths graciously given to us by God, of which depths we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in the, uh, those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual depths with spiritual words. But the natural man does not receive the depths of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually examined. But he who is spiritual examines all things, yet he himself is examined by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we will direct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's, the, that's what he's telling us here. Uh, we are secure because the Spirit indwelling us instructs us in the Word of God, keeps us right before God, and, and makes our minds understand who our God is. That's, that's, that's what he's telling us here. And then he gives, he gives, a, he gives a, another test. Where we test, and here is doctrine, bibliology. Uh, this is the next area. This is where false doctrine of various Christian groups fall into. And, and, and he says, he's, and once again, it's because we're to examine this. How does it match against Scripture? That's, that's the bottom line. And he says, they're from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world hears them. We are from God. The one who knows God hears us, and the one who is not from God does not hear us. From this we know that the spirit of truth, uh, from this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. error. And this is the idea here. Basically, he doesn't out and out say doctrinal truth, but we're going to look at the pronouns here because they're really interesting when we, in just a minute. Uh, but he says, he says here again, he's contrasting uh, children of the world and children of God and what they listen to. That's basically what he's telling them, what they listen to. He says they are from the world, the system that is anti-God and hostile to God. And you see them all the time. You know, they, they, you, you can read them in the, in the newspaper uh, editorial columns. They'll come out about blasting everybody and going on and on and on. It, it happens all the time. Uh, you hear them on the, on the news. You hear them on the networks. And, and uh, uh, we're starting to hear it from our government. You know, uh, we, uh, I, found a, I found an interesting thing one time. Um, the, the FBI decided that the most dangerous people in America. They retracted this real quick because it didn't go over too well. But the most dangerous people in America are white male veterans who are Christians and own guns. (laughs) I'm all those things. I'm the most dangerous person in America. That's, That's our government. That's our government. That's where we live now. And, and you're seeing that expanding now all the time. Although I have to admit, I only own one gun. I got rid of all the rest of them because I don't hunt or shoot anymore. But anyway, after being a veteran, I really stopped liking guns. <laughs> but anyway, but any, but any rate, at any rate, he says, they are from the world. Uh, he says they are from the world, the system that is controlled by Satan. False teachers demonstrate who they are by what they say. It comes from the world. That's the idea here. Uh, and it questions God's truth. The prime example began early on, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Satan's interaction with Eve. What did he do? The first thing he did, he says, did God say? That's the first thing he asked her. Did God say? Unfortunately, The one who knew the truth, who should have instructed her properly, didn't do that. And then she didn't understand the truth and added to it. And and so Satan then used that to say, you won't die. He questioned God. He questioned the truthfulness of God. And then she questioned the truthfulness of God as a result of that. And then he says, actually, God is withholding from you because if you eat this piece of fruit... If you eat this piece of fruit, you'll be like God. And so she ate. And then her idiot husband ate. And we're in the mess we're in. <laughs> but that, that's, that's the idea here. False prophets do this kind of thing. They, quest, they, make us, they want us to question God. 
Then they want us to not trust God. And then we want, then they, he wants us to think that God has ulterior motives in, in, his, in his operation. That's, that's what they do. Uh, the idea here, listen, uh, is a word that means to give credence and obey. They, get, they not only listen, but they follow it. Is the idea here? Uh, uh, they listen and they agree. First uh, Corinthians two fourteen uh, it tells us that the things of the spirit are folly to the natural man, and he lacks the ability to understand. We've already looked at that text a couple of times, and he goes on from there, and then he says, "But you, but we, are from God. We're in a contrast to those that are from the Satan-controlled world." Uh, we are under another realm. Uh, we serve another master. We don't serve the same one. The pronouns are interesting here in verse uh, in verses four through six, uh, because they, they they indicate who John is talking about and who he is talking to. In verse four, he says you, and he's speaking about believers. Uh, in verse four, in verse five. He says, they, here is the contrast to the you, they are the false prophets, the ones who are from the world. Uh, there again, they speak uh, from Satan's system. Five, uh, in 519, we'll see chapter 5, verse 19, he says, he says you know, it's, we know that we are, we are of God and that, the, and, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's the idea here. The current world we live in is in the power of Satan, but we are from God. That's what John is wanting us to know here. So the they there are are the unbelieving, unbelieving false prophets. And then the we, us, of verse 6, is the apostolic witness. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about individual believers here. He's talking about the apostolic witness. He's talking about John, Paul. Mark, or not Mark, Matthew, well, Mark, because he's an apostolic assistant, uh, but it's the apostolic, and, and by implication, it's all who teach the apostolic teachings thereafter. Uh, that's that's who he's talking about here. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Paul tells Timothy, that's second. I can't read my own writing. That is a two, incidentally. Uh, two, uh, second Timothy, two, verses one, uh, verses one through three. He says, you therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And these things which, which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men that they will be able to teach others also. And he goes on to say, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you understand there's a, a progression there. Paul, the apostle, teaches Timothy, who is to teach other men who are to keep teaching. It's the apostolic witness. That's, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, it's the apostolic witness. In, in chapter 4, and verses 1 and 2, he says, uh, he tells Timothy, and it's a charge to all who would stand up, who have the audacity to stand up and preach the word of God. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season. And out of even reprove, rebu- uh, rebuke, exhort with great patience and teaching. And then he goes on to say, because the time comes when they won't endure. Uh, but that's the idea here. It's the apostolic doctrine that is important here. <clears throat> and we have the complete revelation. So whatever doctrine someone teaches, it's to be compared to Scripture. It's to be weighed against what Scripture says. This is where, where the false doctrines of the various Christian or uh, denominations come into play. Are they true or are they not true? What does Scripture have to say? What is the whole body of Scripture? Understand, we bring the whole body of Scripture, not just one verse. Not just one verse. Just keep in mind, you know, a text without a context is a pretext. That's, that's, that's the important issue. Old Testament and New Testament. That's the authority. 
Because it is God breathes, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17. It endures forever, 1 Peter 1, 25. And it is truth, John 17, 17. With the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and, and that, that includes with the help of the Holy Spirit, John 14, 17. The Spirit leads us in that truth. He is the one who guides us. He is, he is our ultimate te- teacher. Know the spirit of truth and the spirit and the spirit of error because of the teaching of the Holy Spirit within us. That's the idea here. And so he offers to us two tests here. He says, what do they teach about Jesus? That's the first thing. But what do they have to say about Jesus? What do they teach about him specifically? Who do they say that he is? That's the question Jesus once asked. Who do men say that I am? And, and secondly... Do they affirm and seek to obey the revealed Word of God? And those who communicate it, do they communicate it accurately? That's the point here. Uh, Jude, chapter, Jude, verse 3. Uh, Jude, after, uh, in verses 1 through 2, telling uh, his uh, readers that uh, his desire was to come to them and write a, uh, write a letter uh, about their great salvation. And then in, in three, he, he changes his direction, and he says, I felt the necessity to write to you exhorting that you contend earnestly for the, for the faith which was once and for all handed down to the saints. And then he goes on for the rest of the book, telling them about the false prophets. Any comments or questions this morning? I'm right on the hour. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for your attention. It's good to be back with you again. I'm sorry for the break, but uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for, for the truth of your word. We thank you that you graciously condescended to reveal yourself to us through your written word. We thank you for those men your spirit used to deliver the word to us. And we would ask, Father, that we would be diligent to study, examine, compare, and understand. That we would allow your spirit to guide us in your truth. And that we would would not just take anything someone says about you, but we would know that it's true by examining it against your truth, your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word reveals to us who Jesus is. Jesus who came in the flesh, who died a substitutionary sacrificial death for me, who was was resurrected, giving evidence of who he is, and giving and marking the way that we might have eternal life through faith in Him. And we thank you, and we praise you, in the name of Jesus, amen.